become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 52 of Macabre Misfortunes. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. So Tracy, we've got a sad story from oh. Denver, Colorado to discuss today. Okay. This story goes back to October 1930. That's when 10-year-old Leona O'Laughlin went missing. Now Leona lived with her father, who was a policeman. His name was Leo, Leo O'Laughlin. Her stepmother, Pearl, also lived with them, and her half-brother, Douglas, which was Pearl's uh, son that she brought with the marriage. Now, unfortunately, the 10-year-old's lifeless body would turn up in a lake. It was initially treated as an accidental drowning, but then it was ruled a homicide after the autopsy showed that there were no water in the girl's lungs. So that means she had to be placed there after she died. So it couldn't be an accidental drowning if she was yeah, dead. Yeah, but you'd say, I mean, it seems like if she was still in the water, she'd have some kind of fluid in her body, even though she passed away. But you wouldn't have water in your lungs. That's what they look for. So if you don't have water in your lungs, you didn't drown. Yeah. And if you don't have water in your lungs and you're in a lake, it's because you wouldn't breathe in when you were put there. Okay, I'll see what you're saying. That's sad. The family was called in and questioned, as you can imagine. Pearl, the stepmother, said that the young girl had been missing for three days at the time her body had been found. She said she had put her to bed at 7.30 the night before, and then when she didn't come down for breakfast the next day, she knew something was wrong. Nothing I read when I was researching this said that they reported this to the police at all. In fact... Police found out that the girl was missing only after she turned up dead. So the family's like, oh, yeah, she's been missing for three days. Well, hello. Why would you not say that? Well, that's extremely crazy considering that her father was a police officer. Mm-hmm. So now the search was on for the killer, which uh, obviously was not going to be easy because this was during the time of prohibition in America and uh, for those of you that are outside the United States that, that may not be as familiar, that's when they outlawed all alcohol in the United States. And uh, as you can imagine, that did not go well. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of uh, gangsters that were in the uh, uh, bootlegging business back then. And apparently Leo, the girl's father, had made a great deal of enemies from all over the uh, area because of bootleggers that he had either busted or that he at least harassed. So the officers decided to focus on some bruising that was on the girl's body and try to find out if that would give them some clues mm -hmm. as to who may or might have done it or how it happened. That's when they got a strange break in the case. And I'll tell you about that break right after this break for our sponsor. 
All right, so the coroner reported something very unusual in the girl's toxicology report. There was a little more than a tablespoon of ground glass in her stomach. Oh, my gosh. But how? That's a good question. And the police chief was completely baffled. And now it seems that the girl's father, Leo, was also in the hospital with an illness that doctors couldn't seem to figure out. Well, the police captain was now even more concerned, but he wouldn't be for long because his answers were coming. What Pearl do? Leo's father came to the police station to report something that had happened about a week earlier when he went to visit his, his son and granddaughter. He said that while he was at the house, he ate a teaspoon of sugar. Why would you do that? Well, I guess he just, some people eat sugar. Back in the 30s, it been, probably would have been a luxury. Okay. Anyways, he, he's eating a teaspoon of sugar. And as he's got this sugar in his mouth, he notices something is strange about the texture. Oh, boy. So he spits it into his hand. He goes over to the sink or whatever, you know, the uh, where the water faucet was. I don't know if they had a well or back in the 30. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. But he went over to wherever the water was, and he was putting water on there, and he noticed that some of it didn't dissolve. Oh. So he holds on to this, seeing that this is kind of strange that this sugar's not melting. He holds on to uh, about a teaspoon of it. Now, he brought some of this in an envelope for the police captain. What do you know upon testing it, it was the exact match for the glass that was in the girl's stomach. So now they call the hospital where Leo is, and they said, you need to pump his stomach immediately. Because they didn't know what was wrong with him. Mm -hmm. They pumped his stomach, and there was a considerable amount of ground-up glass in his stomach. Oh, my gosh. The police call Pearl in, and uh, the girl's stepmother is in the police station, and now they're questioning her for a second time. After a few intense hours, Pearl admits to feeding the girl glass and then hitting her over the head with a tire iron before throwing her, throwing her in the lake. My gosh, what did that poor thing do? Well, her motive was money. You see, Leo had a nice little life insurance policy. I think it was like Mm $30,000. Leo's dad had a considerable amount of wealth himself. So she figured if Leo's dad died, and then Leo died, and then the daughter died, she's the only one left, she would inherit all that money plus the life insurance policy. That was her plan. She didn't think anybody would be onto that? Especially if they all three died, like, relatively soon after each other? I don't guess she was the smartest person in the world. She eventually did recant her confession. Nevertheless, the jury convicted Pearl of first-degree murder. She was sentenced to life in prison with hard labor on December of 1930. See, they didn't waste time. Mm -hmm. All this was in the same year. Yeah. Now you you got to wait two years just to even get your trial. Yeah, and that's crazy. Pearl, though, apparently was a model prisoner. 
So a warden by the name of Roy Best actually made her his personal housekeeper. Pearl would develop a very close relationship with most of uh, Warden Roy's family. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you going to let somebody like that close to your family? Well, it kind of sounds crazy to me. In 1950, 20 years later, Pearl kind of comes out and she claims that, okay, Leona had actually died in the car. And she insisted that she wasn't responsible for, for her death at all, but she panicked and disposed of the body in the lake. Well, I don't know how that supposedly would have happened because at the time when she was arrested, mm-hmm. during when the initial confession and stuff was made, they actually went to the house before they even picked her up and found the tire iron with blood on it. So we know she was killed with a tire iron. And that's what she said happened. So how are you going to come back and try to lie about it 20 years later and say, oh, she just died in the car and I panicked and threw her in the lake? It's not even a good, good, a good lie. Why would you even open your mouth? Anyways, she was certainly in the good graces of her warden of, you know, being the housekeeper and all that stuff for all these years. And by the time June 1951 rolled around, Pearl was actually given parole. Okay, that does not measure up to a lifetime. No. And the only thing that, that requirement was she was going to be released, but she had to move to another state. So first of all, how are you going to say... Oh, we're going to let you out, but we don't want you in our in our state. Well, then they, if you don't want them in your state, then they shouldn't be getting paroled. Yeah. Because that's just setting somebody else up for failure. Well, that's exactly what Pearl did. She moved to California, and she made a living as a housekeeper there before she eventually died at the ripe old age of 88 years old in 1987 of natural causes. Hmm. All right. I like to give you a couple of fun facts, so I got I got some for you. All right. Remember we said that she was pulled in, and after a couple of hours of, of just really being drilled, she confessed? Yes. The officer that got the confession was none other than her husband, Leo O'Laughlin. He's the one that was drilling her. So I... So I guess he was in the hospital, but they pumped his stomach, and then I guess everything was good. So he comes in, and he handles the interrogation of his own wife and got the confession. Well, I mean, I guess it worked out for the better, but I would think that that wouldn't be allowed. You wouldn't think so, but in 1930, he might have, you know, bullied his way in there and said, let me handle this. I mean, it was his daughter. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. The confession though, was not allowed as evidence because she later recanted it. And because it wasn't allowed as evidence, they couldn't give her the death penalty. That's the only reason she got life instead of death penalty. If they could have counted that confession, she would have been electrocuted. Now look at her. Second fact. Part of her time in prison, she made these small porcelain-type dolls that had actually human hair as the hair. Mm -hmm. And one of those dolls is in the Museum of Colorado's Prisons in Canyon City, Colorado, where she actually made this doll in 1931. I don't know if she used her own hair. I mean, whose hair was she used? I don't don't know. I have no idea. She used somebody's hair. I don't know if it was donated hair or maybe they went through at the female prison and made them 
keep their hair short so they, they would cut it off and use that and hair. And why would you why would they let her use glass? I don't know. It looked I mean, I saw it. It they didn't say what it was made out of, but it looked oh. like it was made out of porcelain. Oh, okay. So, it's a creepy little doll made in 1931 by a lady who killed tried to kill her whole family but did kill a little girl. And I don't know whatever happened to her son. I never saw anything oh, about yeah. what happened what to him. Yeah, what did happen to him? So, anyways. He's probably like, that bitch crazy. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> but that's uh, the story of little Leona. Oh, poor baby. She got killed so for her. being nothing more than an heir. Yeah. And then she didn't get nothing out of it. And I saw this pearl chick. No. There were some pictures of her where she looked kind of decent. But in other pictures, she's like cross-eyed and all kinds of... It's like, you look at her, it's like, you can almost see crazy when you look at her. Mm -hmm. And you know, I know you shouldn't say that about anybody, but... Right. She just looked like... When you see her picture, you're like, she. that's exactly what I would expect her to look like. She looks like the type that would try to kill a family. Oh. So. What a shame on her. Yeah. She still got the best end of the deal. She did. I mean, she she got a little bit of hard labor, but then she ended up having to go. She got to make dolls, mm-hmm. and then she got to to like I said, get to be the warden's housekeeper, personal housekeeper, and then she got paroled. So she knew how to kiss ass. That's for sure. Something. She still has to pay for it in the end, though. This is true. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Love y'all.